Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Energy News Beat podcast. My name is Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group. I got an exciting guest today. We've got some gigantic changes in the regulatory issues coming around the corner for Scope 1, Scope 2, and Scope 3 in the oil and gas space. How it impacts the consumers, more importantly, how it also impacts the bottom line for uh, oil and gas trying to just get the job done and meet the regulatory issues. I've got uh, Carlina uh, Ortega, and she is with Milestone Environmental Services. And I mean, we have a fantastic discussion. Just sit back and enjoy, and then I'll have all of her contact information in the show notes. Thank you all very much. Carlina, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Stu. It's a pleasure to join you today. Oh, I'll tell you what. You know, you're you're a VP of sustainability. And I don't know after our little chit chat before we got started that that truly describes what you're doing. And I'm pretty excited to visit with you about what you guys are doing. Yes, thank you. Uh, we're doing some really interesting stuff, doing sustainability for a company that sequesters and manages the waste of oil and gas exploration and production companies. It's kind of you know, you don't always see the the connection, but right. I'd be delighted to tell you more about it. Oh, I'll tell you, there's a lot of regulations that are coming out and it's it's even worse. And when you sit back and think about the scope one, scope two, scope three emissions that are coming out in those all those new regulations. And you were kind of bringing up some of those things about scope one, scope two and scope three on the solutions that you guys have. So, you know, when EMP operators are out there and they're just uh, drilling out everything out, you started at that slurry that comes out. How do you guys take care of the slurry as it comes out? Well, when the slurry is brought to us in truckloads, we take the contents of those trucks and essentially separate the heavy solids from it. Right. Sometimes there's pieces of cement or whatever that may be. And then we take it to um, our reinjection wells. And essentially, we reinject the slurry deep, deep underground, way below the watershed, right? So that it is stored there permanently. Okay. That slurry is really heavy in hydrocarbons. So hmm. if the slurry were not reinjected, what a lot of operators are legally allowed to do in Texas right. is to spread it on ground, on land. They they spread it very, very thinly on land and it's left there essentially to turn into greenhouse gas emissions. So what we provide wow. is a pretty cost-effective and environmentally responsible alternative to manage that waste. Now, what cool. we've, yeah, it's super cool. It's a proprietary technology. So Milestone is the only one using that technology to, to re-inject that slurry. And what we've also done, this is where like the sustainability side of it also comes in, okay. is we've developed some methodology to understand exactly how much carbon or carbon equivalent metric tons there are, there is in that slurry. So what that means is that we are able to tell all of our customers exactly how many metric tons of carbon equivalent we have sequestered from their waste. 
Wow. You see, and that is where, where scope three comes into place. So I don't know how much you know about, you know, scope one, two, and three, but scope three is really, really difficult to account for, for many companies. (laughs) It's all of your indirect uh, greenhouse gas emissions, and it can be pretty, you know, a very daunting task for many companies, especially in oil and gas to account for them. In scope three, there are a lot of different categories. And one of those categories is waste management. Mm. So if you are an oil and gas producer and you manage your waste on site, on your site, it's a scope one emission. Right. But if you send it to somebody like Milestone, it becomes a scope three emission. Because it's being dealt with by somebody else, right? So by milestone. Right. And your whole carbon accounting, if you're not managing your waste on site and you send it to somebody else, you move those emissions from your scope one to your scope three. Okay. Where this is interesting too, is that unfortunately not all oil and gas companies are actually even measuring that waste in their scope one emission. No, they're not. So- When they bring their waste to us, we're able to tell them exactly how much carbon we sequestered from their waste. And they're able to account for it in their carbon accounting. And the reason that this becomes really important is because you may have seen a lot of the oil and gas majors and some of the large independents have committed to a net zero barrel of oil. Right. You know, that the emissions that are created from producing a barrel of oil will be net zero. Right. So in that whole production life cycle, waste management plays an important role. Oh, yeah. You can't produce oil and gas if you don't have waste. And if you don't deal with your waste in a way that sequesters the carbon, you can't count it as a zero. Okay, this is huge from about 16 different things. And, and yes. I, when I'm sitting here thinking, I've got all these other things going on. And, and uh, Michael Tanner and I, my uh, other co-host, we do deal evaluations in oil and gas. And we use what's called um, combo carbon, uh, uh, combo uh, curve in looking at the offset wells as we take a look at the royalties and uh, what's the cash flow coming out of these wells. And then combo carbon is another one of those. And it's in their uh, best interest to be able to to because if you don't have accountability and you can't tell what kind of carbon that you're actually capturing, you're going to be toast on these regulatory issues. The rules that came out, methane fee will be $900 per ton that you're going to be over the limit that you're on on as an EMP operator, and it'll rise to 1200 per ton in 2025. That's going to be a lot of money to those EMP operators. Now, let me ask a question on this one, yeah. because the uh, in the downstream uh, area, I may be under the misunderstanding, uh, and, and I went to Oklahoma State, so you have to guide me a little bit here. The uh, scope one is what you're directly responsible for as you're pulling it out of the ground. Yes. I thought scope two would be like getting it to the midstream or getting the product into uh, like in downstream 
Scope three is from the, in my understanding, I could be wrong, that it's the end user or the car that they're now going to start trying to charge that back to the EMP operator. So maybe I'm a little confused on, on how that goes, but you're, what you're talking about is huge because if you're still getting to the scope three at the, where you're getting the slurry fixed, that's huge. And so maybe we can figure out after the thing and look at the notes because uh, if, if that is a different path for the waste. So if the product goes to downstream and then it gets um, into, oh, you know, the refineries and then it goes to the car, I had no idea how they were going to try to figure out the scope three for the refineries and how it gets impacted back to the uh, uh, EMP. Operator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Well, yes, it does. So there's a few things that we can kind of piece apart here. Okay, cool. That each scope one, two, and three have different categories according to the greenhouse gas protocol that kind right. of created all this framework, right? Right. So you are absolutely correct. Scope one is the direct emissions, those right. emissions that EMP producers are responsible for. Right. If they choose to manage their waste on site, however that may be. Right. They account it as scope one emissions, the emissions related to their waste. But they right? got to have accountability there. I of mean, of course, they have to have accountability. Right. Measuring Person. data. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Now, the challenge is that for, for many of them, that when they set zero goals, right, they are measuring those goals or when they have commitments to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, scope one emissions by a certain percentage, right. they usually do it against a baseline. So they're saying, for example, we're going to reduce emissions in 2040 by 50% right. against 2008, a 2008 baseline, right? right? So that is what they're using to, to get to that percentage reduction. Right. But many did not account for their waste in their baseline. So some of them are redoing their entire baseline, meaning they're nice. going back all the way to 2008, 2019, whatever their baseline is, to understand the emissions from the waste they sequester, right? Nice. So that's one issue. Okay. And they do, many of them are pretty good in that. They realize that they had holes in their accounting several years ago. And so they're going back to fix it. Right. Now there's other companies that don't manage their waste on site. And there's a lot of them actually. So when they send that waste down their supply chain to a contractor like Milestone, right. then it becomes one of the 15 categories that make up scope three. Wow. So in scope three, you have just different categories. It's all of your supply chain, the cars that would use the gasoline and those emissions. But one of those categories is waste management. Right. So since Milestone is in charge of managing that waste for many companies. Right. And we are able to tell them exactly how many carbon uh, equivalent metric tons we sequester for them. 
Wow. We are essentially giving them that data. I don't know if you've, you know, if you've heard a lot of EMP producers say, we can't be made responsible for scope three emissions because it is really hard to account for. Yes. Well, what Milestone is doing for them is saying- I think you were in the same meetings that I was in. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I've heard it. I've been around this and this industry for many years, but this is what Milestone does, is we are allowing them to say, yes, it may be very difficult to account for some of the categories in scope three, Okay, but there are others like the waste management category that we now understand. We now mm. have- clarity over the data of our emissions in that category. Wow. And it so happens that it's a zero because we're sequestering it. You see, so that's where we become a really valuable player in that race to produce the net zero barrel of oil. You know, I'm sitting here trying to look at a return on investment for your services on an ROI statement. I can get my crayon and it would probably happen fairly quick on a return because this would go into a sustainability and ESG report for that EMP operator that they could go back and not pay as many taxes. It goes to the bottom line and they get more investment. So did I get that right? Yes. You know what they also (laughs) do? Of course, they also reduce social risk. Do you know what the risk is of contaminating land? Oh, it's huge. And if you sp- if you do land farming, this practice of spreading the waste is called land farming or putting it into landfills that aren't necessarily up to the m- most rigorous industry standards that right. prevent all that leakage of um the hydrocarbons back down into the into underground. So there's a lot of there's social risk reduction by ensuring that communities aren't impacted right. by contamination of land. There is also a return on investment by protecting biodiversity and, and ecosystem and water tables and water tables. So, Stu, the part that is really exciting about what you're saying for me is that in our sustainability report, right, this the one that we published in 2023. We started kind of exploring the idea of value creation. Right. So how are we creating value through our business? Right. And uh, it's a really interesting chart. I encourage everybody to see it. It's You'll find it in, the, in our sustainability report on page 10. Um, you can tell that <laughs> I know the report well, but what we're doing this coming year in 2024 is we are going to publish, uh, and obviously we're, we're working on it right now, but we're going to publish a lot more specific data on how much value we are creating. We're going oh, to man. try to value, like put dollar signs on that value. And so hopefully uh, we'll be, you know, we'll be able to have a nice conversation on exactly how much sustainable return on investment we are creating through our practices. Um, So it's really exciting. It's something that will be new to us and relatively new in the oil and gas industry. I haven't really seen anybody else do it. So it'll be really interesting. We're going to try to really put numbers to that value that we're creating. I tell you what, and I think that it just got more important with the new regulatory issues that just popped in in 2024. 
So, and if the EMP operators don't take care and listen to what you're saying and what some of these other things, it's going to be pretty brutal uh, to their bottom line. And, and so your numbers on a return on investment statement would be critical for CEOs. And uh, I'm going to try to, I, I'd like to have a technical dive with you later on uh, and try to see if Combo Carbon, which helps us on evaluating a, in a oil and gas company's, uh, uh, their profitability, take a look at how that would fit in. That may be able to solve some of your financial formulas already because um, our, our solutions are already cooked uh, and work great with being able to look at oil and gas deals in royalties as we take a look at is it a good deal to invest in this and is it a good deal for m a uh it might this would be some pretty fun things to visit with your team on i think so i think we i believe that the services that we provide in waste management do make emp produce emp companies a lot more uh or better environmental stewards Oh, yes. So if they're able to show that they are looking at the different parts of the project life cycle of the production life cycle. Right. And say, we are also looking at how the waste is being managed. And we now have clarity over the data, over the carbon emissions being sequestered, how that impacts our net zero goals. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it'd be pretty remarkable for them to be able to say it. And what we've done on our end is also to develop, we call it a triple verified framework. So we- A triple verified framework. That sounds yeah. like something I would, and I'm going to let my podcast listeners know how old I am. That sounds like something I would get out of a Cracker Jack box when I was a kid. <laughs> The spy ring with a triple decoder ring in it. Well, we do the triple verified, and this is what we've done. It's not from Cracker Jack, but, (laughs) um, you know, hopefully it's a little bit more rigorous than that and with less sugar for sure. Um, We have developed a framework where on one end, we have one third-party consultant review all of our data in our sustainability report. To make sure that it is aligned with sustainability reporting standards. So that's one one, um, prong, so to speak, of the three stool, what is three legged stool. The second part is we've worked with another third party consultant to develop the methodology to account for the carbon emissions that are sequestered. Hmm. So, and we have the methodology written out and it's transparently provided in our sustainability report. So that's prong two. Prong three is we um, we engage our financial auditors to review that procedure that we use to to get to our carbon sequestered numbers. So essentially they go in and they review all the numbers and the calculations and then they publish, and we publish this in our sustainability report, a letter stating that the numbers that we've public that we've publicly published are correct. Nice. So what we're doing in all of this is trying to create or build trust 
in the method that we have, the methodology, so that okay. the EMP producers can say, yes, this is, this is a, the, you know, a, a, a systematically uh, collected data and uh, it's been verified and it's up to industry standards and we can therefore use it in our carbon accounting. So that's what we've been trying to do as well, to give credence and trust to the process itself. Right. And so hopefully that would attract a lot more customers as well. I'll tell you, that's kind of cool. Uh, I've got your 2022 uh, here off of your website. So it'll be fun to take a look at your 2023 yes. and uh, have a link to that in, in our show notes as we get this uh, published out there. So I'm looking forward to visiting with you again uh, here in, in the next uh, bit as you get your ROI statements out there. Because uh, we visit with a lot of EMP companies uh, and uh, just in a daily basis in our day job. So this yes, is that would be great. Our report will be published in the middle of April. Okay. So, uh, you know, we should definitely touch base again and I can okay. talk to you more about the results of all that analysis. We're doing it in partnership with two other very reputable third parties. Nice. Um, so uh, one of them is a university. I'll, I don't want to spill all the beans, but uh, we're working with a university on this methodology and analysis. So I'd be really excited to tell you about it in April. Oh, that will be fabulous. I just will get you scheduled back out out here. But as we take a look, as you're getting ready for that, that sounds like a, a lot of work. And uh, B, I hope you have a family life between uh, and maybe after that, you'll have a family life. I don't know if it's that much work, but, um, you know, it seems like you've got a lot of work going on there. What kind of customers are you looking for or who are your victims? I mean, who who are you looking for on that? Well, all oil and gas producers in okay. Texas, for the most part, we have 10 facilities in Texas and New Mexico. Okay. Right on the border. Um, and we're expanding and uh, we really try to be the um, the energy waste management company for, okay. for the industry. And really, the, it's, we're the only true partners in the energy transition when it comes to energy waste management. This is huge. I, I really appreciate your time on this because... Uh, the regular legislation through regulatory action that's going on with this current administration is putting a high cost on uh, the oil and gas companies, the wind companies, the solar companies, and the nuclear companies. And so it's nice to have a decent solution. <laughs> yes, it is. We're proud of what we do. We hope to continue to grow. Okay. Uh, we also have a carbon sequestration subsidiary that will do only that. Um, oh. So we're really trying to to be the you know in the, the the partner of the EMP producers, nice. so um, they're able to reach their energy transition goals. Cool. For your customers that are uh, your target customers that may have been listening to this. So you're in the Permian and that would be your, are you in the Eagleford and several of the others? And are in the, you in the yes. Hainesville as yes, well? Yes, we are. We are. You can see all of our 10 locations in Texas okay. on our website. Great. But uh, yes, we are. We are in all of those in the Delaware Basin as well. Cool. And uh, they're essentially for those who, who haven't seen 
one of our facilities, they essentially look like uh, gas stations. So the trucks come in wow. and we have like different islands where they go in and that's where the 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 truckloads are emptied and cleaned and all of that. And then obviously the part that doesn't look like a gas station <laughs> is where we separate the solids um, and do a different like triage kind of system right. of the of the slurry. And then very close by, we have the reinjection well right there. So the so, waste doesn't travel far at all. We're talking, you know, a few yards. Right. Um, and the well is right there, and that's where it's reinjected. So if it looks like a gas station, do you get many people coming in for some, uh, you know, no, cokes and chips? We're not buckies. And- no, <laughs> we're not buckies. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, it it kind of looks like it, but if we don't have you know, a little um, convenience store and all that, that, that would be fun. But no, we're not in that business. Oh, no, that that saves money. I mean, you got to save money in this day and age. How do people reach out to you uh, on your LinkedIn and the website, right? Yes, the web, the best way to reach me specifically is on LinkedIn on our website as well. Okay. And for just more, a better descriptor of our services, uh, I invite everybody to look at our website okay. and inquiries or anything to direct them through there as well. Sounds fantastic. Thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very grateful and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Mm -hmm.